We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is the second half of the season going to look like for the Kansas City Royals? Check it out next. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. We've made it through one half of the season. The All-Star break is behind us. And to help me talk about uh, the second half, what we can expect here uh, for the last couple months of the season, my good buddy Jordan Foote, editor-in-chief at Inside the Royals. What's up, man? Dude, uh, thank you for having me back on. Always a really good time. Not necessarily good baseball to talk about, but better baseball. You know, they're 15 and 15 over their last month. So hopefully a more productive uh, conversation instead of, man, I know that me, you and Alex, when we talk, we beat a dead horse occasionally, or I guess frequently about this team. Um, There's plenty to talk about, man. So thanks for having me back on. It is really funny that for as awful as this season has been, they're 500 in their last month. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's not talked about enough. Like they're not actually, they're getting to the point of like, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, but like, we're going from bad to bad, but interesting. Like I hope that's what I'm hoping for. Like moving forward here. Right. That's all we can. Yeah. And, and they're what 20 games below right now. So they're like, they're about, not going to go yeah. 20 games above to finish at 500. There are some people that think like the really cool story thing. Like some people expect that this year and I don't expect no. a really cool story, but I do expect them to be 500 ish the rest of the way, like close to it. I don't know, maybe a little bit below, um, even a little bit above would be nice, but they're not going to be downright train wrecky bad like they were to start the yeah. season. I think that's really all you can ask for, all things considered. Yeah, I think as long as they're not a train wreck down the stretch, I think we'll we'll at least chalk it up to whatever. I guess I, I don't know the, yeah. the phrase it, here, but like just kind of uh-huh. you know just meh, whatever. But like that's kind of where we're at. But. There's still a lot of good things to look forward to, I think, in the second half. We've seen a little glimpse of it with some of these younger guys coming up, but we're just going to talk through some of the storylines that we want to see uh, moving forward over the next couple of weeks. Our own really cool story, if you will. Uh, Jordan, what what do you have? Like, What do you want to see out of this team in the second half? I think, and we'll talk about this um, more later in the podcast, but getting some of the young guys back up, the ones that came up in Toronto, like the Michael Masseys and the Nick Prados of the world, Getting them up, seeing development from the pitching at the minor league level would be nice. Um, Obviously, we've talked about that with Alex on Royals Farm about how they need to probably change something like organizationally before that happens. It's not going to be like a midseason shift, Um, but that applies to the big league level as well, like figuring out who belongs in the rotation long term, who doesn't. Some of that probably is going to be done over the offseason, like they're now a year behind on what they were supposed to do this year, figuring yeah. that stuff out. Um, Hitting-wise, 
just continuing what they have. I think Bobby Witten Jr. is going to have a big second half of the year. Like you mentioned um, recently, the All-Star break is going to do him pretty well. I think Melendez could use a little reset. Pasquantino, his numbers are going to come up. So just seeing how the youth develops at all levels, I think, is really the number one thing I'm looking for. Obviously, there's veterans here and there that could experience a good second half, but they could be traded too. So trades to um, internal development in the majors and the minors, probably one. Yeah, I think to, to kind of blend in with the youth movement of it, having those guys in take the Royals from bad to bad but interesting, as I, I kind of yeah. mentioned in the intro here, that like there are teams like the Marlins are bad, but they're at least interesting because they have some really nice pieces in there. The Orioles, I'm not buying that they're going to make some sort of ridiculous second half run and make the playoffs, but they're at least interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there are certain teams that have kind of are in that category of, they're not good, but there's some nice stuff here. The Royals can morph into that. They Bobby, Bobby Wood Jr., I think, has a, a good second half like he will. He's going to finish in the top three. He's going to be right there with Julio Rodriguez for Rookie of the Year and kind of start knocking on the door of that. You know, Julio has kind of taken over headlines, and rightfully so. Bobby's still sitting there as one of the better rookies in all of minor league base or all of major league baseball. He's right there. You get MJ consistently in the lineup. You get Prado in the lineup after uh, Ben Intendi gets traded. You can uh, put Michael Massey back in the lineup after a Whit Merrifield is traded. I don't know if Nate Eaton comes back up, at least mm-hmm. initially. Maybe he gets another cup of coffee at the end of the year. But av- outside of the home run, I'm not sure what like yeah. what he really did. He made a couple nice plays in center field, and that's encouraging too to have him playing center field and look pretty good doing it. I think we got a glimpse of what the young guys can do in that series in Toronto. I know they only won one game, but understand that one game that they won was the biggest upset in the major league season this year by betting odds. But still like, it was, they, there was no reason for them to win that game and they went out and did it. And then they took them to the ropes on Saturday and Sunday. And it was the young guys that were the ones keeping the Royals in the game. It was some of these crappy veterans that are still on here that caused a lot of the problems and why they, and are part of the reason why they didn't win. But Michael Massey hits the crap out of the ball, showed that on uh, in that game on Saturday, especially on Saturday and Sunday when he got his first start. Uh, Nate Eaton again played a good center field. Nick Prado hit an absolute moon bomb mm-hmm. and played a really good first base. Vinny Pasquantino hit a moonshot. Bobby hit a ball out that got out in about two and a half seconds. Like there is so much to like with a lot of these young position players that it's gonna, I think it's gonna propel the Royals a little bit, and they're gonna win more games just having these young guys in there because, frankly, they're just better. I understand we want to give the veterans the benefit of the doubt, and I, I understand that argument. They've been they've been there, done that for longer. I liked what I saw more, and I had more fun watching the Royals this past weekend than I did in the regular season because I know how much better these young guys are. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And you mentioned Prado, and that's an interesting case because a lot of people, they see this like log jam. And sure, there's a log jam in the infield and the outfield. But Pasquantino at first base slash DH, one, Salvador Perez being hurt kind of helps not solve but figure out that puzzle a little bit right now. Two, if you trade Andrew Benatendi, and I think this could be Nick Prado's future anyway with the Royals, corner outfielder. He's going to be in right field or left field, I think, especially with Pasquantino not having that defensive versatility. You can put him out there. You can get him at bats. You can get him in the field. It's not one of those things where you call him up. And the Royals, to their credit this year, have been kind of using that as a crutch. The whole, A, we want them to get more experience. B, we want them to have a spot where they can play routinely, as opposed to what they've done with guys like Kyle Isbell this season and really throughout his Royals career. Um, I don't think that getting rid of Benatendi, calling up Prado, would make Prado sit on the bench. I think there's a very clear path to him being a near everyday player at some capacity, whether it's first base, DH, left field, right field. Um, You don't want to throw him in center, obviously, but the Royals have been preparing for this, and they've been preparing for MJ Melendez to get those corner outfield reps. They put him at third base a little bit. They've been putting uh, Nicky Lopez at third base. They've been moving guys around. Hunter Dozier, although he doesn't do it well, has been playing all around the field. Um, Ryan O'Hearn has played a couple different spots. Like the Royals are not one of these teams where they're going to have a set positional lineup until probably next year, the year after, if they do it all, they're going to kind of mix and match. They're going to put guys in different places. They're going to see what happens. The at bats are the important thing to find. The defense is probably not going to be people keep having this like 
attachment to 2015 where the defense was insane. HDH was there. Like the Royals aren't going to replicate that. They can have no. a good defense. They can have a good bullpen. Probably not going to have both, but the offense I think can be better than some of those teams, at least top to bottom. That's the most important thing. You get the bats out there. You get the at bats out there. Then you kind of figure out the rest. I'm perfectly okay with them putting Nick Prado in left field for the rest of this year. Play him at first every yep. once in a while. If you want to give Vinny a day off and pl- let him DH, whatever. Like I, but primarily, if you want to put him out of left, I think that's perfectly fine. And what that's going to allow is the pressure to come off his bat a little bit. Because he's a serviceable left fielder. Like He's not Alex Gordon. He's not Andrew Benintendi, but he's good. And he mm-hmm. takes solid routes to the ball. He's got a good arm. He's you know has some background pitching in in high school, so that you know he's got a good left arm. And we'll see what happens. But if he goes out there and plays a, a good left field, there's at least value there. It, whereas if he was first base only and he wasn't hitting and he's striking out thirty plus percent of the time, then what value is there? There isn't. Mm-hmm. So at least if he can do something in the outfield, it takes some pressure off him and lets him ease into his at bats. Because right now, I trust Vinny Pasquantino to put together really good at-bats. And Nick Prado did that in Toronto. I know he struck out. I think he was like 0 for 4 with three strikeouts in his first game. But he also walked in that game too. And yeah. when he and the walk that he had was a ball that he swung through in his first at-bat for strike three. He took that pitch and walked. He is very rigid in his approach. He knows which pitches he's not going to swing at. He knows which pitches he's not going to be able to do damage on. And then when he swings, he swings with bad intentions. And you saw the contact that he made when he got his first home. So uh, there is a lot to like there. And I think putting him in left field and just letting the bat go and letting these guys just get the experience is going to pay dividends down the road. Just give these guys the opportunity now. Tinker with the lineup however you want. Do that now. The season's already lost. So what do you have to lose? Just tinkering with the lineup and moving guys around to find what the future looks like. Yeah. Just let the kids play. I mean, it's a very it's novel concept. That. Yeah, it's a very simple premise, but like, just let them play. The veterans are not like this collection of former champions where it's 2017 and you're like, eh, should we make one more run at it? Like the Royals, A, are not close to that right now in terms of like right. 500. Uh, B, they don't have that much attachment to these guys like Hunter Dozier, Andrew Benintendi, even Nicky Lopez, Whit Merrifield, guys like that. There's some sentimental value but it's not like you're trading Salvador Perez and then going about that route. It's not like, you know, Mondesi, this is the end of his run or something. He hasn't been healthy and playing for months. Like the Royals have very little reason, I think, to be extremely loyal to the guys they have right now. They're not making a playoff run. Their farm system isn't terrible. They don't have, um, it's not like they don't have prospects up right now that are producing and playing well. They need to just do it, fully embrace it, you can't be worse than they already were earlier in the season. If they are, then so be it. It's not a tank. It's getting experience for the young guys. It's accelerating that 2023 timeline, I think. Um, this is now last uh, last year. Heading into this year, I thought this was the year you figure out who belongs and who doesn't. 2023 is when you take a step towards playoffs, like not necessarily making it, but getting close. This year was supposed to be 500-ish, like 75 to 81 wins. Maybe a little bit better if things broke right. Obviously, they broke wrong. They're not even going to get that 75 figure probably. But next year is now going to be this year (laughs) where you're like trying to figure out who belongs and who doesn't. Then 2024, you expect to compete for a playoff spot possibly. And if they revamp the pitching development like they did with the hitting development, that changes a lot. Like that changes the long-term timeline. It might change the short-term timeline. There might be year one dividends there. Either way, you have to get those hitting prospects up and let them hit. It can't do any harm. If they're ready, they're ready. Nick Prado's been ready for a month, maybe even a little bit longer. Since he came back from, was it like a concussion? He got hit in the head. Yeah, yeah, he took a kickoff. Took a fastball off the head. Yeah, yeah. So after that. Mac has been raking. Yeah, he's been great. And like, he's always going to strike out. He's never going to be a guy who's like sub 20%, I don't think. That's just not his game, and it's not that he's over-aggressive. He's under-aggressive at times. He's just passive, and he's like very selective with his pitches. Then he passed Quintino, selective with his. When those guys connect, they drive the ball out of the ballpark. Um, when you have Melendez, Prado, Pasquantino, Witt, those guys up and in the same order this season, there's a reason to watch the Royals. And I think I, I, shouldn't, I should mention this guy before we move on. Because I know we don't talk about pitchers a lot on this podcast for obvious reasons, but Angel Zerpa deserves a ton of credit. 
And he was yeah, a guy that we talked about preseason. I thought he should have been in the rotation from day one. And he comes up in a spot start on that Thursday and goes seven innings and gives up, or goes six innings and gives up two runs. And it was a two run home run to Matt Chapman. But other than that, he pitched really well. He is an mm-hmm. absolute bulldog on the mound. He is not afraid to pepper the strike zone and force contact and try and get some swing and miss here and there. And what I think shows a lot in his development was he threw a slider on the you know lower third on the outside, yep. and it kind of hung a little bit. Chapman duck hooked it out. All right, that's Matt Chapman does that. The next batter, he threw that exact same pitch. He went mm-hmm. right back to it with the same confidence. So th- that's another guy that I want to see get some starts going forward. I don't think they're going to trade Granky. I don't think they're going to trade Keller. Depending on the health of what you get out of John Heasley, if you want, or Daniel Lynch too, with the the blister issue that he's got. Yeah, Zerpa is someone that should get a ton of run by the middle of August. Give him five six starts at the end of the year, and I think I think he's a really big part of the future of this team. Yeah. Whether you know, kind of out of nowhere, and he's still just twenty two years old, so there's still a long runway with him. But a guy that deserves a lot of credit for keeping the Royals in that game and helping them win that game in Toronto. Yeah, and, and if there's one team franchise club that is comfortable doing that, like giving a guy a limited sample size and then building some high heading into next year, Carlos Hernandez last season, anybody? He had a much bigger sample size, obviously. Like, he was pitching out of the bullpen then came into the rotation and played well, like Heasley at the end of last season. Like, mm-hmm. the Royals are not – it's not the days where you're calling up a billion guys and giving them chances. You just can't do that anymore. But Zerpa's earned it. Give him five or six. Go to a six-man rotation. Figure something out down the stretch. I thought this year that a six-man would have made more sense anyway. Yep. Not as practical with them, I guess. Um, give him a chance. Throwing strikes is hard for the Royals to do. <laughs> it's a very novel concept. Zerpa does um, it pretty well. Yes, and Zerpa does it well. And I'm going to mention that novel concept a lot because there's a lot of common sense things that players and pitchers and position players and managers and front office people and scouts and all that should do that the Royals just kind of don't because that's the organization they are right now. Um, throwing strikes is one of them and Zerpa is not afraid to do it. He's not averse to doing it. He's capable of doing it pretty frequently. Um, I'd rather have a guy like that that's going to give up some contact. And that's what I thought Heasley was going to be when he got called up this year and came up. And I think he's kind of settling back into that a little bit. He was walking just so many people at the beginning. Yeah. Um, once he gets back, and is good. I think he's going to get back to that. Zerpa is that. He's a guy that whether he gives up hits and home runs and doubles and gives up a bunch of contact or not, he's not going to start walking a billion batters. And I think that's an admirable quality, especially for a guy like you said, he's only 22. He's not 26. He's not 27. He's not even 25. He is a young guy that fits the timeline, um, fits what they need. And you never know. Give him some chances and see what happens. Absolutely. To move to what we could possibly see on Friday when you guys are listening to the day you guys are, are hearing this, the Royals will start a three-game set with the Tampa Bay Rays and then a three-game set with the Los Angeles Angels. What Merrifield looks like he'll still be on the team at this time. We yep. don't know the health situation. He had like turf toe or something like that, which is a, a brutal injury, and hopefully he's, he's healthy to get traded soon before the August 2nd deadline. If he is healthy and he is in the lineup, Man, I think he's going to get booed on Friday. I don't think it's going to be the full crowd. I don't think it'll be even 20% of the crowd. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to hear it. And does he deserve it? I mean, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, you you can't. And and, like, I don't blame the guy for wanting to go and play winning baseball. Like, I, I don't at all. He's deserved that for the last three plus years when the Royals probably should have moved him. Mm-hmm. but to, to make the comments that he did and then the Royals haven't taught and then the, the front office has even said how disappointed and D- Dayton Moore said the word disgusted with what he yeah. said and how he said yeah, it. Yeah. And then he goes in a radio interview on six ten and essentially doubles down on it and doesn't retract uh-huh. anything with what he said. And yeah. he's still around. We haven't heard anything. If he is in the lineup on Friday, he's going to hear it. Yeah. You, first of all, as the leader of a team and leader in the clubhouse and one of the supposed faces of the leader. franchise. Yeah, supposed. Yeah, we use air quotes. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't do that. You can say that behind closed doors to Dayton Moore and say, hey, dude, like, get me out of here, or SOS. But, like, you can't 
do that and then you can't double down like for the first 30 seconds of his like statement or whatever i was like okay well maybe he has shown remorse and he's like but it was one of those apologies that comes off as like sorry you took it that way not sorry i made you feel that way but sorry you felt that i said this mm-hmm. blah 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 oh, it yeah. was very insincere um it was very he just didn't care very much he's like i said what i said sorry you guys took it the wrong way but you know, I like being here, but I'd also like being somewhere else. <laughs> like, yeah. you just can't do that. Um, I think he is going to get booed. Is it going to be the whole stadium? No. Um, you and I texted. I forget. Did you use the word, like, spattering throughout the stadium? Yeah. Something like that, where there's going to be people that boo, and he's going to hear it, and the fans are going to hear it, and the commentary team is going to hear it. Whether any of them bring it up, going to be a different story. I doubt he gets asked about it post game, but it's going to happen, I think. Not only this game, but this series, and then he stays beyond that somebody out there is going to be booing him for the rest of the year if he stays for the rest of the year i don't think he stays i also don't think that it's going to be the same number on friday that it is the rest of the season but he's not going to get a warm welcome back at Kaufman stadium no and this is just the tinfoil hat theory in me um i don't think the royals front office and coaching staff wants that to happen nope i doubt it so I could see a scenario, and this is again. I, I mentioned this on eight ten last night with Jack Johnson. I think this is just this is just me speculating on what I could see happening, knowing the Royals organization a little bit. Yeah, that they kind of put him on the phantom IL or like on the IL for the toe sprain, retroactive to before the All Star break, so he's still in that ten day range, and they just put him on there and don't play him for the homestand. Yeah, even if he's one hundred percent, and then they come back and they go play a four gamer in New York. For when I believe that's a Thursday through Sunday, and you activate him, you play him for that four game set, and then you trade him before the deadline. Show yep. that he's healthy, show that he can he can play again. Then you make that move, and you don't let him see the home crowd at Kaufman because they know optically it's not going to be pretty. I'd give that like a maybe a thirty percent chance of happening, which I think is still a pretty high percentage. But yep. would you be shocked if they they hold him out of the series, saying, "Oh, he's day to day with an injury"? No. Nope. I, I was going to lean that as well. Like I, we haven't, and that's weird. Cause we haven't talked about that. Like that yeah. specific timeline. I was thinking that same thing. Like you sit him at home, then you let it stew for a little bit. Then when you're on the road, you let him play, you showcase that he's healthy. You showcase, he gets a couple hits, maybe he looks into a home run or whatever, just playing out there. I mean, people know what they're getting with him at this point. Then before you come back or when you come back and are figuring things out, you get rid of him before the deadline. So the deadline's what, 11, 12 days away? I guess 10 as people yeah. are listening to this. So, I mean, it's coming up. Um, it's going to happen soon. I think it is going to happen, though. Like, if you would have asked me a month ago, do the Royals trade him, I would have been 50-50. Now I'm like 70-30, I think. Like Dude, the same 30% chance, really? I, I, I don't see a scenario where what Merrifield is on the Royals by August 2nd. I, when you I, make I hope- comments like that, you're say you said the quiet part out loud. I said that last yeah. week with with Jared yeah. Perkins. When you say that, I don't I don't know how you keep him in the lineup. There's no coming back really from. No, it. there's not. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Whatever cliche you yeah. want to use for the comments that he made. Why Why would the royal Why would the young guys in that clubhouse want him in the lineup? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Why would even Nicky Lopez, guys that have been established in the big leagues, want him in I, that lineup? I have a quick question about. Lopez so yeah the unselfish win comments um knowing how good of a guy Nicky Lopez is and how much he really does care about the team but also seeing that he sometimes does have that chip on his shoulder he came back and, and the next day like before he even addressed anything else said I want to address this blah 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 I didn't mean it that way yada yada do you buy that or do you think he was like throwing a little bit of shade I'm leaning that I buy it and I believe him but I, I also think it. it's possible that he was throwing shade I, I buy it. I don't think he meant that like in the context with which yeah. people wanted to interpret it. Was yeah. there maybe a little hint of it? Possibly. I think so. But like, I, I believe mean, him. I mean, those players that played in Toronto have every right to be pissed at the 10 guys yes. that didn't show yeah. up because you know, it would have been really nice to have Dylan Coleman in the 10th inning of that mm-hmm. game on Saturday instead of Joel yeah. Piomps. Uh, you can yeah. use plenty other examples. But mm-hmm. that was, you know, that's that's one of the prime ones that we saw over the weekend. And yeah. the, the chips fell where they did. So, no, I, I think there is a certain amount of that that I think was calculated. But I don't I don't believe that was a, a total shot at. Yeah, guys. exactly. 
Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure how things are going to play out here, but I think <laughs> it's, it's certainly going to be interesting. I'm definitely going to need to tune in to, to see what happens. And if you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at tickets for less Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets all your, for all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fee, saving you big time over the other sites out there. You can save even more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at Ticketsforless.com. That code, again, is KCSN22. If you're not going to do it for the Rays series, do it for the Angels series. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that is an opportunity to watch Shohei Otani in Kansas City. And is he, possibly is he Mike any good? Trout. Are, are they One good? Might say, I've heard a couple things about him. Like, I don't know. It's like he's only the greatest talent to ever grace the game of <laughs> baseball, you know? So he's he's pretty good. And hopefully Mike Trout is off the injured list. But I'm I'm going to that series for sure. I know I'm going – I think I'm going on that Tuesday. I'm going with my buddy who's actually got a day off of work for the first time in forever. So uh, I get to watch Shohei Otani for the first time. And that's going to be that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, so be sure to go and use KCSN 22 and go watch the two of the greatest baseball players of all time. When they come to Kansas city, if you're not going to go for the Royals, at least go watch somebody else. Right. Yeah. Go watch good baseball. Cause I mean, you don't know if you're going to watch it in Kansas <laughs> well, city, good... but you might watch it from somebody else in Kansas city. Who knows? Uh, good, good baseball. And the angels don't go together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It... Ever, ever since Such that ball, when, when they, when they tried to the poverty franchise, when they tried yeah. to, <laughs> When they tried to fight the Mariners and Jesse Winker fought the entire Angels yeah. organization, the, the Mariners yeah. went on a hot streak and the Angels have taken a nosedive. So you yep. just hate to see it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, free Otani, free Trout, but they'll be on the Angels when they come to Kansas City next week. Check that out. We're going to talk a little bit of deadline as we get a little bit closer. Jordan and I talked about it a little bit, but we're going to try and go a little further in depth here after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, Jordan. So there's still the, the deadline. I said we're about 10 days or so away. There's a lot of movement that's going to happen throughout baseball. The Royals have guys that teams are interested in. Andrew Benintendi is still one of the best bats on the market. I say this knowing that there's a potential for Juan Soto to be traded, but I I think that's about a coin flip move at this point. I think it's a for sure thing that Andrew Benintendi does get moved. How much do you think his trade value was hurt by him not playing in that Toronto series? Or do you think it could be like a Whit Merrifield thing and he just handled it more professionally and didn't say the quiet part out loud? 
Yeah, I, I don't think it made a huge difference. There are some people out there that think like his trade value is doomed now. Like specifically to the Yankees, maybe that makes a bigger sway because obviously they're in the AL East. Um, obviously, Toronto, you know, people bring stuff like that up. Like that whole that situation. Dead. Exactly. So it, it makes a little bit of a difference depending on what team. But for like a National League team, it doesn't really matter. Um, I know that Toronto plays like some playoff hopefuls down the stretch. Like it's not like they play a bunch of bad teams. So it does make a little bit of a difference, but like you weren't getting a premier prospect for just Andrew Benatendi anyway. So like, it's not like yeah. they're going to get some, like, I hate to say bum prospect because there aren't bum prospects really, but like a throw in prospect, a guy yeah. who's like a really low rated or unranked prospect. You're not going to make that difference between a top five, a top 10 guy in an organization, then dropping all the way out. So I don't think it makes a massive difference. It makes a small one. Um, it's unfortunate. It's not ideal. I also don't rule out that he might get the shot if he does get traded to a contender and he's kind of deflected it and people have like softly reported it. I think John Heyman tweeted at or uh, hinted at it in a tweet. So I don't know, like Merrifield doesn't make a massive difference. Pe teams know what they're going to get. They're going to get a quality bat. They're going to get a quality outfielder. Um, they're going to get a guy who can play in the playoffs unless they're in Toronto. Maybe he gets the shot and does. He handled it way better than what Merrifield does or did. Um, and I think that salvages whatever was left unless you're going to like New York, Toronto, something like that. Yeah, I think the Padres are, are probably in that realm to go and get him. I, I know they, they need a bat really bad. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers probably do too with Chris Taylor being out. I could see a package of I could see them being interested in Whit Merrifield. I could see the Braves being interested in Whit Merrifield or a Andrew Benintendi. Like, there should be a lot of teams interested in having him. Yeah. To be like honestly, the, I know the Brewers really need offensive help. The Cardinals do too. Like the, this did not kill the value. I, I don't think yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did it? Did it lessen things? Did it lessen some teams interested? Sure, but it doesn't mean that all thirty teams are out and the Royals are stuck with them. Like. Teams are going to do it. And it also, the, the return is going to depend on the desperation of the team. And that's where mm -hmm. I think we see some of this. Like the Padres really want to make a run. The Blue Jays really want to make a run. The Brewers really want to make a run. Like how the, if a team is desperate, they'll overpay. And yep. I think what we saw by trading the 35th pick to the Braves, and you got a guy like Drew Waters, and you got two other guys, you know, Andrew Hoffman, CJ Alexander. Like, that's a value you could that you could have gotten that for Andrew Benintendi. That tells me it's a seller's market. So teams are willing to overpay and teams always want bullpen help. So this is why I've been talking about for six weeks, like package Scott Barlow, package Josh Stamont. We know anybody, like anybody in that bullpen, Amir Garrett, throw, throw a couple of relievers into that bullpen like that are bullpen arms with an Andrew Benintendi, with a Whit Merrifield, with a possible Michael A. Taylor. Then you're cooking then you're cooking and you can go and get, instead of trading Andrew Benintendi for the eighth or ninth best prospect in the system, you go and add in Scott Barlow with Andrew Benintendi. You can get the third probably like a team would overpay for that with the versatility and the cost control of Scott Barlow. Yeah. If the Royals really want to go and do that, I mean, I would shoot for the moon with some of these teams, especially the ones that are really desperate to make a playoff run and go and yep. win a world series. Yep. I'm with that. I agree a hundred percent, which is why I'd lean that they don't because it just makes so much sense. I, I think Barlow, I've been on the fence about Barlow. Like I've in the past, I've thought they will trade him like past meeting over the past month and a half or so. Um, I'm leaning. They keep just about every reliever they have right now, it even though it dumb. does make sense to package. Yes. It'd be dumb, which is why I think they're going to do it. I, I think they're more likely like of the list of tradable, even remotely likely to be traded. Merrifield, almost certain. Benatendi, almost certain. Taylor, I'd lean like 55% they'd do it. Yeah, Lopez, I'm not sold that they trade Taylor, but I think it's certainly on the table. Yeah, I think uh, then like Lopez, Keller, Barlow, Stamont, I think they all stay put. Lopez just doesn't have much of a market. I don't think Keller, don't know if they're going to get rid of him. The contract situation's weird with whether they're going to extend him or not in due time, Barlow and Stalmont make a ton of sense to throw in somewhere, which is why I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we haven't heard any buzz with Scott Barlow, the fact that like over the last four years, there are only eight relievers in baseball that have a higher war than Scott. It's just Barlow. weird. He, it's weird. And Like he is being wasted on awful yes. baseball teams Yep, as one of the top 10 relievers in the sport. 
trade that guy. Like he deserves to go pitch in October by the time he's, I mean, he's already close to 30. He's like 28, 29. Yeah. Like we're getting close to the, with the volatility of relievers who knows if he's going to be this good again. And they're going to like the walking story of him and trade him or just let him go at the worst possible time. Mm -hmm. Like just do it now. It's, it's going to be a Whit Merrifield like level. Obviously he's better at his position than Whit Merrifield was in his prime, but like, it's going to be one of those types of situations. Yeah. Uh, I've, I I am ready to be infuriated by the trade deadline of yeah. like the moves they choose to make or do not, you know, choose to make or not make. Oh boy. Could you imagine if they don't make any, they don't do anything because I, they, because they come out of the, the all-star break and win eight to 10. I could unfortunately envision a world where that happens. It's like a 1% or less chance of happening, but like I could see the Royals being that club to, to do it and say like, we want to chase something special, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I could. Remember the airing of grievances that Alex did about a month and a half ago? I sure we do. Get, we would get pretty close. Yeah. We would get pretty close on this on this program here if they decide to hold on to Andrew Benintendi and then get nothing for him because there's no comp picks anymore. And then yeah. keep a guy that doesn't want to be here. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Be brutal. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I, I, don't I, 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 <laughs> I don't either. I, like I, that's a that is an absolute like DEFCON 5 doomsday scenario if the Royals yeah. do nothing. I don't, I don't think it gets to that point because I think they know that they're not going to extend Andrew Benintendi. They know that what Merrifield, like what Merrifield at the very, he, he's gone next year. His option is massive in 2024. They're not bringing him back. So you might as well just trade them now and get something. Like, I don't even, I don't expect a ton from what Merrifield, like the return. Just, he doesn't want to be here. He's made that clear. Just make them make move. it happen. Just yeah. make the move. Rip yeah. off the band-aid and let's just let's just end it. So then it then the scenario comes for the young guys. We talked a little bit about this, but I guess we can put a little more of a timeline on it now. I think Prado is up the minute that Andrew Benintendi gets traded. I think that's the mm-hmm. move that happens. Now, unless yeah. they trade for like a major league guy, like a fourth outfielder or something like that. They'll give him the opportunity for Prado because Royals. I think Massey would, they would have to make a 40 man move to get Massey on, but with Wick coming off, that could be the natural transition. And then you mm-hmm. make him your second baseman for the rest of the year. Nate Eaton would cost another 40 man move. I don't know what that move would be just because I'm not sold that they trade Michael A. Taylor. So there's not a one for one there. What, what other guys do you think have an opportunity to come up? here and like i'm not asking you to make some sort of roster do all the roster construction because we're not paid to do that so i'd rather not put in the effort frankly i might be drawn blanks but like prado and massey seem like the obvious one for one like Mm -hmm. benatendi and merrifield beyond that like hicklin and eaton i I don't really think there's a ton michael garcia i don't think there's a ton zerpa for someone I, i i need to word this carefully I don't think somebody is going to have like a mysterious like blister problem for the rest of the season or whatever. But like it seems yeah. like, and we've talked about this, I think, right at the beginning of the year when we were projecting the rotation in the bullpen. Those things have a way of sorting themselves out in terms of yeah. injuries and like getting sent down and underperformance and call ups. I think Zerpa finds his way back up at some point. Um, I think Carlos Hernandez finds his way back up at some point. But then you're working with two guys who. Do you put him in the bullpen? Do you put him in the rotation? Who's hurt? Who's not? Who's underperforming? Who's not? Like, do the Royals really want to go through that with Daniel Lynch or Chris Bubich or Heasley? Or, like, I I think at a certain point, you just have to keep playing the guys and then figure out what you have. And then maybe in the offseason, you tweak some things. But, like, I don't know what that is going to look like. You know what I mean? Man, blisters are the worst because that like that can completely derail a career. I mean, look at Aaron Sanchez out in uh, Toronto. That ruined his career almost. Marcus Stroman dealt with it, like with Major League Baseball continually changing the baseballs. This is what this stuff is is happening more. It's an epidemic in the game. I I don't know how. Like it, it honestly could ruin Daniel Lynch's season. Like it could end it. Because yep. he goes out there for a start, and after four innings, he's got to come out because the blister or the cuts back on his on mm-hmm. his index finger. So who knows what happens there? That could end up working itself out, and then Zerpa's in the rotation for the rest of the year if if Lynch can't figure it out or whatever it is. And like that's a tough to blame a guy for. Like exactly. it's not like he's not preparing. Like it's just it's one of those things. Like and like shit, shit happens. Like that's just yeah. And I don't if that happens to. And this is kind of unfair to say. If that happens to Chris Bubich, 
that might be the end of him as a starter for the Royals. Like, oh, yeah. I, I hate to be that way. If it's Daniel Lynch, though, I think if you make a pitching coach change and you you change the way you kind of philosophically look at this, Daniel Lynch has the highest ceiling, I think, of all those guys that we've mm-hmm. talked about. Even Hernandez, who played well. Like, Lynch just has the stuff, and I think Singer has, like, the mentality, I think, to do it, and the change He's going to stick in the rotation. Yes, It'll Singer's going to stick, because I hate to say it, but, like, guys – he wasn't that bad to begin with. Like he was arguably the best of that group. He just was kind of not great. He was just a below average pitcher, but he wasn't like alarmingly bad. It was just bound to catch up to him at some point, but he also had bad luck. That stuff evened out. He's fine now. Lynch has the highest ceiling of all those guys. And if it's a blister thing that ends the season, maybe the blessing in disguise is he no longer has to put up with the, uh, uh, coaching i guess i was trying to think of a different yeah, word like trying the to advice. say it as delicately yes. as possible yes. But yes the advice that he's getting the the voices in his ear and you get to see what you have in other guys that's not the end of the world yeah i think seeing what you have in other guys is going to be the, the key down the stretch and I, I credit to chris Bubich, he didn't walk anybody in his last start so that was that's yeah. not nothing, no he was right? he was genuinely pretty good yeah. yeah but i don't know if he can you can count on him to have another outing like that he's gonna go and back with, out and walk six in six and a yeah minute. And with the velo up on occasion, like at the beginning of outings or when he was coming out of the bullpen or like in one inning, like appearances or whatever, I think a, just with the lack of, I hate using the word stuff. Cause that's just very broad. The lack of stuff he has though. I see him as more of a reliever long-term and that's fine. And that's His fine. Get up. something, get something out of him, make him a, instead of being a bad starter, make him an average or above average reliever. And that is okay. And whether it's long relief, whether it's giving him an inning so he can pump 96, whatever you need to do, get some role out of him. And I was like that with singer before he adopted the changeup, and is now yep. throwing it, get something. It's never plan a to have a guy who you want to start, throw him in the bullpen. It's not foolproof. Like guys just may not pan out at all, but the odds of that happening without me having data to support it, this is anecdotal seems like it would be worth happening and, and worth doing and worth trying. Um, and it might pan out. So who knows? Maybe Chris Bubich will be like heading into the year. I thought, and I think Lesky also said he had one of the highest floors out of this group. And yes. was like one of the most sure bets to do something. Obviously hasn't been the case, um, but I think as a reliever, you find something out with him singer. I think I'd bet on him sticking um, Hernandez. I don't freaking know. Um, that's kind of the X factor. I think Zerpa yeah. is too. I think Heasley, Heasley's going to stick, I think, or at least he has the capability yes. to stick. So if you have two out of that five set, you maybe extend Keller, you have three. Daniel Lynch figures something out, you have four. Like, I know that's a lot of what ifs, but it's not hard to squint and see an average rotation next season. But you're going to have to A, have those guys figure it out and stay figuring it out. And you're going to have to change some stuff in terms of coaching. Yeah, when it comes to Chris Bubich, he talked about last year, he had that stretch where he threw really well. He had about three or, three or four starts where he was pretty good last year and wasn't walking a lot of guys. And he talked about like, man, I just started throwing the crap out of my fastball, just going out there and just throwing hard. Like when he was up to like 93, 94, sometimes 95. And I feel like too often, and this could be the voices in his ear telling him to, to do this, but he just tries to be too fine and aim the ball. And like when you were aiming the ball, you're not throwing strikes. You're just trying to get it up there. And at 89, you're when you're walking guys throwing 88 to 90, you have zero not room good. to be in the big leagues. Yeah, it's no awful. chance. There, at least if you're throwing 88, be Kyle Hendricks and just throw it over the plate. Like and just make it work. Chris Bucci out the bullpen throws 97. Now, is he going to throw 97 all the time? No. But if he's 94 to 95 hitting 97 with the funk and deception in his delivery and actually just air it out and just you got let something it go. There. Yeah. We've seen it this year and I hope yep. that I think that's his role. I think it, like, and that's, that's fine. His role in the big leagues is a, maybe your number four, number five starter. Yep. That's a bet. And the, that's about equal value to a middle reliever or like a it- good reliever. And it's better than putting him in AAA and up, down, up, down, up, down, and just experimenting. Like, just give him – I get that you want to produce right now, but, like, you might as well just let these guys pitch. And if AAA isn't fixing them and you just don't develop at any level, keep them. Let them keep pitching. Like, 
you see people get really, really angry at these guys and starting pitchers, it's a volatile position. Like you'll have a really good start. And then sometimes you'll come out and I hate to be cliche. You just don't have your stuff one outing and people want to say, well, it's because of this. It's because of that. Sometimes you might've just not had a good warm up, and you might just not have your, your change up that day or your curveball or your fastball command sucks. It's not always a very specific numerical reason sometimes it is feel based and sometimes you develop that better feel over time or sometimes that blister on your fingers bothering you it's hard to tell when guys only get a couple starts then get sent down or they get a couple starts here then they're in the bullpen like give them extended looks and figure it out and i think boobish long term if he's not a number five starter he's a reliever and that's okay because it's better than playing that up down up down game and then justifying somebody else's roster spot Uh, this is true and David Lesky and Alex at Royals Farm tweeted similar stuff about Bubich's last nine starts. Uh, Over his last nine starts, this is from the beginning of June on. 48 innings pitched, a 3.94 ERA, FIP almost matches at 3.99, and then .75 home runs per nine. That place. Is that that great? No. No. Is it bad? No. No. So if you're asking him to be your fifth starter or your swing man, then that's perfectly fine. Yep. But I don't know if that's what they're asking from him. Right. Exactly. I, I think his role is still in question. And mm-hmm. I would much rather see Chris Bubich throw 95 out of the bullpen than watch him throw 89 as a starter. Yep. That's kind of where Me I sit too. with him. And I think he could be a really good reliever out of that. But we'll see. And that's I, okay. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't, that, that'll be one of the interesting things to follow here in the second half. I don't have anything else uh, from the second half here uh, or from the first half, second half, anything like that. What are some of your final thoughts before we get out of here? It could be, like you said, anything. I don't really care. I mean, the only thing I can think of, and I'm surprised we neglected it for 43 minutes, um, Julio Rodriguez, he's so fun. Dude, I freaking love I guess we kind of talked about him earlier, but like, I freaking love Julio. Everyone who follows either of us knows, or both of us knows that we like Julio. I'm watching him in the Home Run Derby. That that whole festivity was just great. He's a bona fide superstar, I think. I'm a, oh, yeah. a very big he, fan of Julio. He proved it for the home run derby on uh, on Monday. And I've listened to a couple different baseball podcasts to talk about this. Like there are guys that use that event to propel them into the national spotlight. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did it in yep. 2019 when he had 91 home runs. Julio did it now. It was an incredible performance. And I got to watch him last week when I was in Texas uh, and got to go to the Mariners Rangers game with my buddies and uh, my wife. And Julio hit a grand slam to dead center. <laughs> I I lost it. I, I lost yeah. my mind. It was incredible. The kid is 21 years old. He the the future of baseball is in good hands with Gallo Julio, yeah. Bobby, and others. Um, it was awesome. And and to see hear him mic'd up uh, on and during the All Star game in center field was was really cool too. I know that the uh, the assistant GM that said his English sucks was sitting there shaking and crying watching him give an interview and. Yeah, fleet fluent English uh, uh, during the all-star game. <laughs> yeah, it, it was baseball is in such a good place player wise and like player power wise and player uh, production wise that that tweet that you sent me that was like, imagine how good Julio is going to be when he's Juan Soto's age. Like, like, yeah. come on, like Juan Soto's what, 22, 23 years old. He's 23 and he's yeah, the only... like, come on. And speaking of Juan Soto, and I, I just want to get this out now. Yeah. The fact that the Nationals are even entertaining this yeah. and are like, yeah, we'll trade Ted Williams. Like, that's the equivalent. That is the mm-hmm. only that is the only equivalent to what Juan Soto was doing in his career so far. He is yeah. 23 years old. He's a lock for the Hall of Fame. I mean, should he stay healthy? And you're going to trade him. Absolute, it's, like, oh my God, I can't imagine. It's wild. Yeah, it's... What do you even... If you're a team... And this is a much, 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 much lower scale, but like still a really good player. It's like the Kevin Durant thing that's going on in the NBA right now. It's like your asking price is so high that you don't want to mortgage your entire future on one player. But like for Juan Soto, you can give up really, really, really good prospects and and kind of gouge your farm system and give up some good players at the big league level because he's so damn good. But you also have to pay him like it's. It's not as simple as here's the top five prospects in our org plus some money plus a good player at the MLB level. It's like it's more nuanced than that, but you're getting a guy who, if you sign him with that trade, 
it's going to be setting you up for the next 10 plus years with one of the top five players in baseball. Well, the hard part is, and it's the main thing is he's a Boris client. Those guys don't get extended early. Exactly. And he's already said that he wants to go to free agency. Yeah. So you're really trading for two and a half years and you pray that you can entice him Keep to him. stay yeah. after that. So yeah. that's why I think a big market team like the Dodgers, the Mets make a ton of sense. The Mariners fan in me is going, yeah, just go do it. Just and, do and, it. If there, and if there is a GM that is crazy enough to go and mortgage your future for the next two and a half years and have an outfield of Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto, it would be Jerry DePoto in Seattle. Yep. He would do it. And I'll, I'll be fascinated if they actually make that move because that w- that could be the wild card. And I know they've been mentioned by MLB.com and all this stuff. I still feel like people aren't, aren't giving enough credit. The Mariners have the farm system to do it and they have the position and they have the assets to be able to do it. I hate calling people assets, but that like they have the prospects. It's what and it is. Ready yeah. players to do it. So that's going to, it's going to be one of the most fascinating things. It'll be the craziest trade in baseball history. And then in a couple of years, we'll be looking at probably the craziest and most fascinating sought after free agent ever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be wild. Or 2025. Yeah. It'll be nuts. Well, thank you all again for, for listening to this. We appreciate it. We got, we're, we're heading down the home stretch of the season. Thank you all for hanging with us. Hopefully it's going to be a lot more fun to talk about in the second half. I think with some of the youth that, that's coming up here, the Royals are going to be good. They're not going to be good, but they're going to be interesting. And that's all we can hope for. We'll talk to you all next week. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.